It happened between 785 and 775 BC in a place called Nineveh, the metropolis of the ancient world. God poured out a revival and brought a city to its knees by his supernatural power and saved some 600,000 people. This is still the greatest revival known to date. Would God still bring about a revival in our day? What would happen if there was a day whereby all of God's children cried out in prayer and fasting to the same God that revived Nineveh? Join us today as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment, and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. We have a returning guest, a dear friend of mine, Brother Scott Brown. Last time we had you, I believe we did youth ministry and the importance of children in in ministry in the local church. There you go. Yeah, we did. (laughs) So that was great. Uh, Your ministry has really impacted my own life um, in that regards. And uh, I love seeing my children, even to this day, taking notes in the church and discussing the Word of God on the ride home or the next day during family worship time. Fantastic. Fantastic. Amen. So you are initiating something uh, of a prayer time uh, or several days over of praying for public and worldwide revival. Yeah. Well, how this happened is I got a phone call at a really weird time in the night from a friend of mine named Jeff Johnson. And I thought, well, I better answer this. You know, he's calling, it's really late. And uh, he's calling me from Kenya. And he's from saying, where? Kenya. Kenya. He says, Scott, I, I couldn't sleep. I've got something that's burning in my heart. He's, and I want to ask you about it. He said, with all the controversies going on, in conservative evangelicalism with all this, we all know what the controversies are. He said, the most important thing that's on my heart is, is revival and a global revival. And he said, he said, I can't get it out of my mind. Could we talk to our friends about having a prayer time for global revival? And I thought that that sounds like a really good idea. So we scheduled actually a, a time to pray. It's the first Wednesday in October to fast, pray, local churches come together and pray for global revival. And so uh, Jeff created this website uh, where churches and, and individuals can sign up. And uh, it's a global prayer for revival globalprayerforrevival.com. That's the website. And um, there are lots of churches and lots of individuals that have already signed up. There are also resources on this website that help churches know if they don't have a prayer meeting, how to have a prayer meeting, 
just guidelines for corporate prayer. And we're encouraging people to fast uh, on Wednesday and then break their fast on Wednesday night at their, their local church prayer meeting. Or if they could gather friends to pray or pray themselves if they don't have a, a local church prayer meeting. Amen. So let me just back up a little bit. What is revival not? So like show us what, tell us what it's not about first. Well, revival is, is the manifest is manifested by a heart turning toward Jesus Christ for saving faith and obedience to the faith. A revival is when people obey the Lord. That's, that's the outward manifestation. You know, that's why in the great commission, you know, you, you teach all, teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded. The heart changes, but then there's this life of obedience to God. When you have an obedient people, you have the manifestations of revival. Mm. Now, many times in uh, what, like the 1900s, early 1900s, Pentecostalism swooped in. Right. And they maybe like try to redefine what revival is where did they go wrong? Yeah, well, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. So, but like, I think th- there's falling and yeah, oh laughter yeah, and yeah. Does the bite? Does the Bible say that that's the manifestation of revival where people are falling down? No, people are filled with the Spirit, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how the Holy Spirit manifests Himself. Not in falling down. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, having a, a background in the past before I was reformed in Pentecostalism, that's what I saw. That's what, yeah. you know, they were like scheduled revival services. I don't know if you could schedule revival. No, you, you can't know, like schedule tap, revival. You know, like, you know, <laughs> speed dial God and say, drop it now. Yeah. And so, hey, when there's a revival, people are hungry for the word of God. Hey, I, I grew up. I grew up during the Jesus movement. I was in Southern California. Really? I was I was in and out of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. But here's what happened. That was actually a revival. But what happened was people had their Bibles open, and you had, I mean, churches in Southern California filled up. Grace Community Church filled up, you know, with young people, and they wanted the Word of God. That's what it was, and you had ex- expositors. People like Chuck Smith and others who are opening up their Bibles. And you had a younger generation that was hungry for the word. When you have a revival, you have people that are hungry to obey the word of God. So scripture is, um, that is like a, a foundation of revival. And and where how does the hunger thing come in though? Because... I, there's Bibles in a lot of homes, but having the Bible on your shelf doesn't mean you're hungry for it and you're going to consume it. Yeah. So where does that, where does that the hunger? From? The, yeah, the, the hunger. The hunger is manifested when that Bible's open. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's kind of like going to a restaurant. You got to order the food. You got to, yeah. Got to have the food in front of you and consume it. Why, why do you think so many people are not opening their Bibles but wanting revival? Wanting God to move apart from opening the scriptures. Well, they want they want something that God God doesn't want. What God wants is for people to be saturated with His Word, 
to receive the implanted word with meekness, like James says, to say, oh, how I love thy lots, my meditation. How often? All the day. <laughs> it's your food, you know. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yeah, was it? I think Job said, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Yeah. So Bible before breakfast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Moses said, <laughs> read why, without before feed. <laughs> yeah. Mo Moses said, why were you hungry in the wilderness? So that you would learn that man doesn't live by bread alone. Mm. Jesus quoted that when he was tempted. Yeah. Wow. So what place does prayer play in conjunction with the word of God in revival? Well, obviously, you know, one of the things that Jeff said on that phone call. Yes. He said that, he said, if, if everybody in your family came to you and begged you to do something, would you want to do it? And then he said, what if everybody in your church was begging God for something? Would God, would God want to do it? And he said, what if people all over the world were crying out to God that he would do something. Would a good father want to do that? And I thought that's so, that's so helpful because where God promises that he'll hear the prayers of his children and that whatever we ask, he will do. Mm. Has in your local church, um, has there ever been a time of prayer for these things in the past? That you have done and I don't know if we've ever had a formal time but for global revival okay we haven't done I don't think we've done that we've cried out to God for our nation for our world but not a, we've never had a concentrated time to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit throughout the world we've never done that in our local church so we're gonna do it the first the first Monday first two first Wednesday in October October and you mentioned about fasting. Yeah. So um, where does that fit in? What's the purpose of fasting in conjunction with prayer and the word? Yeah, I mean, fasting is designed to help concentration, concentration of the mind. And for this global prayer for revival, we're encouraging people to, you know, have their last meal on Tuesday night and then uh, fast all day Wednesday. And, you know, whenever you feel those hunger pangs, you're reminded, man shall not live by bread alone. Pray, pray for global revival. Wow. So, I mean, I, I love that because it's so kingdom minded because you're connecting, I'm hunger, uh, my physical hunger to hungering for God to, to change our world because the problem is our, the problem of our world is our world. It's the people in it. Yeah. And unless God moves upon the hearts of those people, they'll remain as they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so um, crying out to the to the only one who could do something about it. Yeah. But I really like the picture you set up as far as an individual, a church, a family, all around the world crying out to the one that we have in common you know, many ethnicities make up the church, but we all have the same Heavenly Father, and they're all crying out. I know that when my children would go to the playground and I'd whistle, they would come over. So that I can imagine in the reverse as well that God knows the voice of, of His own, and because um, that's who Christ died for. 
he, he, uh, Christ hears the voice of, of his of his bride. How do you see like what happened in Nineveh, which uh, Jonah is one of my favorite books. I'm writing yeah. a book called uh, The Chronicles of Nineveh. Volume one is the gospel according to Jonah. How do you see perhaps what happened in Nineveh on, on such a large scale possible even to happen now? Because some people say, I don't think God is operating in that way today. Right. But the thing is, is you, if you put something on the internet and God providentially spreads it, everybody in the world can hear it. Right. That's not like Nineveh. Now all of Nineveh heard because of preaching. Right. You know, but we live in a time where preaching can be heard all over the world at one time. It's never been a time like that. Well, so what do you see that God will do in the hearts of his people and in the hearts of sinners by bringing about a global revival? Well, just think about the sweetness of the work of God in the soul, the cleansing of a conscience, you know, the forgiveness of sin, to be set free, to have the power of sin broken in your life so that you can begin to heal, so that you can begin to be made holy. What a, what a blessing to, to become like Jesus, who was the happiest of all the disciples, says Hebrews 1.9. What, what a blessing it is to have the consolation of God, the Word of God to teach you to do everything in your life. God teaches you how to do everything. He teaches you how to go through everything. We're not lost. We're not confused. We know what to do. What a, what a blessing that is. Yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking of uh, Simeon when he was waiting for the, the consolation of Israel and then he, he scoops up the, the babe in his arms, the Lord Jesus, and he says, now, now I can die. Now I can right. depart now in I peace. Die, yeah. Now your servant, yeah. and I think it's the word for slave, can depart in peace. And um, there's people all around the world that have never, if you will, had Christ close to their bosom. And so they're not ready to, to depart in peace. They're, they're ready to depart in judgment, in wrath. And, and that should break our hearts and cause us to want to cry out for revival because... There's so many people that don't know the God that we know. Um, what place do you think as far as will persecution play a part in all of this? Because obviously the enemy doesn't just say, okay, well, you know, you want to cry out to God and break hearts. Well, I'm not going to get involved. So what do you see as far as how will the enemy operate? We know how he operates in the word, but in, in, in this what we're talking about now. <laughs> well, God uses the enemy to sweeten his church through persecution. In persecution, you know that all of your hope is in God. What better place is there to be? That's why like in the, in the martyrs, you know, the testimonies of the martyrs. Yes. They go, they go to the flames singing. Yes. They're praising God. They're not cursing their enemies. They're not like, they're not like the Muslim who's going to, pull a cord and blow everybody up. Right. You know, they're giving right. thanks to God for what he's done. Wow. And they're being kind actually to their persecutors. Yes. Yes. I think it was a uh, perpetua, um, in the early church. Yeah. Um, and she had said, uh, when her father wanted her to recant, 
She was she was a wealthy Greek woman. Right. And she said, "See that vase over there? You can't call it by any any other name besides a vase. I cannot be called any other name but a Christian. I am a Christian." And she she was she was glad, if you will, almost to die for the Savior uh, in the in the Colosseums. Um, but some Christians sort of they run away. They some Christians think like that's that's radical Christianity. But it's just it's just normal that if you love your Savior, your life is not your own. Yeah. <laughs> how how has that manifested in your own life? As far as your life is not your own. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like I've ever been persecuted the way that persecution has sure. worked. You know. So I I don't know, but I I do, I do know that God God sweetens the heart of the Christian through every trial that he embraces. Mm. Mm. How many churches have, as if you know, have uh, jumped on board with praying for global you revival know, up to it's, this point? It's, it's hundreds of churches and, and thousands of people so far. It's all listed on the website. I, I haven't been there in the last few days, but it's growing and there, there are lots of people who are joining this global prayer for revival. In various countries. Yeah, yeah, lots of countries. Wow, and and so the phone call started from Kenya. I say that because my best friend's from Nairobi, okay. Kenya. Wow. And he is like, uh, I call him the Kenyan prayer prince. No. So kidding. if he hears this podcast, he's gonna roll his All eyes right. and say, "How did you get me in? You yeah. managed to do it again." <laughs> yeah, let him know. But um, I have a a, a book that I wrote. Um, actually, a study guide for one of Spurgeon's lesser known books called Only a Prayer Meeting. I don't know if you ever heard oh, of his book. No. Actually, if you I can need grab to get it, that. It's, right, it's right over there. Okay. okay. I'll have to me. get it. Yeah. And so, um, that's it. Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. And the workbook here. So, oh, uh, and a just workbook. wrote this here, no Only kidding. a Prayer Meeting. So maybe some of these wow. things might help um, with. Like, how do we pray and grapple oh, in neat. prayer? So that's yours. I'm going to, yes, okay. that's yours. I'm going to give you I'll the book to it. go with it. Great. Um, Thank you. But I think the place of the prayer meeting has, uh, some churches don't even have prayer meetings. I know. So our church, we have a prayer meeting every Saturday. And then after service, we have one 15 minutes after the service and another one 45 minutes after the service. Wow. And every once a month on a Friday night, uh, the second Friday night of every month, we have an online prayer meeting from 9 p.m. to 12 midnight with men from all over. And so I see these men just crying out to God. But what you're doing is much larger than even what I'm thinking of and what we're actually doing. I love it. And we want to jump on board. Amen. So how do churches and individuals jump on board with this global revival yeah. uh, prayer. Go to globalprayerforrevival.com, globalprayerforrevival.com and sign up. And there's all kinds of resources about prayer from all kinds of people like Tom Askell and Josh Bice and others and myself, Jeff Johnson. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, there's, a, there's a lot of guys who are doing this. Amen. Well, would you would you close us in prayer and, 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 and as far as Asking God to, to get people to, to just call this church to partake in this. Sure, let's do. It. Lord, we want to, we want to knock on your door, all of us, for one thing, 
that you'd pour out your spirit into this dark and broken world, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, we're, we're desiring that you would do such a thing in our time. Amen. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishyministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.